Welcome to Aaron Menke's Cabinet of Curiosities, a production of iHeartRadio and Grim and Mild. Our world is full of the unexplainable. And if history is an open book, all of these amazing tales are right there on display, just waiting for us to explore. Welcome to the Cabinet of Curiosities. Human beings are all different. Every experience shapes us into the kinds of people we become. No one thing is responsible. Each of us is the product of nature and nurture working together. Sometimes that results in the next world leader. Other times it leads to a life of crime. For one man, his unique upbringing didn't guide him toward thievery or murder. But he did wind up serving as a member of parliament. He also found himself as the topic of conversation both during his life and afterward. George Rearsby Sitwell was born in January of 1860 to a wealthy family. His father, Sir Sitwell Rearsby Sitwell, was a baronet, a hereditary title just below that of a baron and above a knight. Sadly, the man passed away when George was only four years old. All the property he owned prior to his death was passed down to his son, and so was his debt. But that didn't stop the child from being proud of who he was. He had a knack for making himself the center of attention. Soon after his father's death, George had been riding on a train when he announced his name and title to a fellow passenger. He told the man, I am four years old and the youngest baronet in England. To say George was difficult would be an understatement. And that difficulty manifested itself in various ways. For one, he was ambitious, becoming a member of parliament before he turned 30. He also married young. When he was 26 and Lady Ida Dennison was only 17, the pair tied a knot, although it was clear from the start that they were horribly wrong for each other. Only days into their marriage, Dennison fled back to her family's home. She hated her new husband, and more than that, she hated the expectations that came with being a wife. They forced her to return to him, though, which she did, but she resented everyone for it. Nine months later, she gave birth to a baby girl, angering her husband who had hoped for a male heir. It would be another five years before their first son, Osbert, was born in 1892. As time went on, Sitwell increased both his wealth and his political power. Much of the money went to his wife, who spent it almost as fast as he could earn it. But George also found ways to invest his fortune, possibly as distractions from his terrible marriage or to occupy his time after losing his parliamentary re-election. He ended up becoming a prolific inventor, although none of his creations ever became very popular. The Sitwell egg, for example, was supposed to be a complete meal designed for a person on the go. It was a ball of white rice shaped like an egg. In its center, a piece of smoked meat. None of the local shops were interested in carrying it. He also came up with a toothbrush that played a popular song as the person brushed their teeth. This actually became a real product as a way to encourage children to brush their teeth just a century later. Perhaps the world wasn't ready for George's unique idea. There was also a tiny gun he created to protect himself from wasps. The aging Sitwell didn't just invent things, though. He also took a keen interest in restoring his family home, Renishaw Hall in Derbyshire, England. But as he worked to restore it to its former beauty, he began to develop some odd habits. Visitors to the home were greeted by a sign that read, I must ask anyone entering the house never to contradict me in any way, 
as it interferes with the functioning of the gastric juices and prevents my sleeping at night. He also mislabeled all of his medicinal vials to discourage others from sampling their contents when he traveled. His philosophies on health in particular were something special. Nonfiction writing was okay, but the body could not handle writing novels, according to him. He believed fiction would be a drain on one's condition. George's views and beliefs were odd, and rarely based on sound logic. But he was also a lifelong student, learning all that he could on esoteric topics, such as medieval wool gathering and gardening. He even wrote a detailed history of the fork. Sir George Sitwell led a strange and troubled life. His wife hated him, and his family didn't understand him. Yet, regardless of how the world perceived him, he never shied away from the man he truly was. One of a kind. It's inevitable that many of us have grown up to be like our parents. Our mannerisms, our ways of speech, even our taste in movies and music are because of the people who raised us. Heck, every time I laugh, I hear my father's voice as if he's in the very same room as me. But how much of who we are is based on how we were raised and how much is based on our DNA? It's the old nature versus nurture debate. Well, Dinah Sanichar may hold the answers. In 1867, a group of hunters were prowling through the jungle of Uttar Pradesh, India, when they came to a clearing. Some distance away, they noticed the entrance to a cave. The hunters approached the cave carefully, anticipating what they might find inside. It could, after all, be a ferocious animal. A creature did emerge. It ignored them at first, unbothered by their presence. The hunters, though, did not raise their guns. They couldn't bring themselves to kill something so unique. What they had countered was neither a bear nor a wolf, but something completely unexpected. They had found a boy, probably no more than six years old, and knowing they couldn't leave him in the jungle, the hunters gathered him up and brought him to an orphanage in the nearby town of Agra. It was there that he was given the name Dinah Sanachar. Sanachar was a Hindi word meaning Saturday, the day they had found him. He was considered a feral child because he couldn't walk upright or know how to conduct himself around other people. He couldn't even speak, but he did understand his new guardians to some extent. He had been raised by wolves, and his behavior reflected that. He ate raw meat and walked on all fours. He chewed on bones, which in turn had sharpened his teeth, and he couldn't form words, so he communicated with grunts like an animal. He found it difficult to stand on two legs like everyone else. He also had trouble following simple directions. For example, pointing at an object or a plate of food was a foreign gesture to him as wolves didn't use their paws to indicate things of importance, and he never learned to speak the language of his caretakers. Although the effects of living around other human beings did eventually rub off on him, Sanichar learned how to stand on two legs, and it was said that he figured out how to put on his clothes later in life. Surprisingly, one human habit came quite naturally to him, smoking. He found the practice so enjoyable he became a chain smoker before his death at the age of 34. It's been theorized that Sanichar may have been the inspiration for the young man-cub, Mowgli, in Rudyard Kipling's The Jungle Book series. In those novels, Mowgli is an abandoned child raised by wolves in the jungles of India. Yet he was not the first, nor would he be the last child raised by wolves that the orphanage would take in. Three more children were welcomed after him, including a girl and two boys, all who had been classified as feral. 
In fact, over the years, more than 50 children have been discovered living with animals in the jungles of India. One boy was found in 1957 crawling out of a cave. He had been stolen from his home by a wolf when he was only 18 months old. Other children, though, were often abandoned by their parents for being born with intellectual disabilities. And India wasn't the only place where children were being raised in the wild, either. In the mid-1980s, a young Ukrainian girl named Oksana Malaya was taken in by stray dogs when she was just three years old. Her alcoholic father left her outside one night, so she crawled into a structure with the dogs to stay warm. She ended up living on the streets for five years, eating scraps of food and crawling on all fours until social workers found her. They got her the help she needed, enrolling her in various therapies to help improve her speech and control her feral urges. And she eventually learned to speak fluent Russian and got a job on a farm. But she was never the same. Who knows how she, or Sanichar, or any of the other children neglected by society might have turned out, had they been given the tools to thrive. Instead, they were cast aside, and left to fend for themselves. And it makes one wonder, in this story, who are the real animals? I hope you've enjoyed today's guided tour of the Cabinet of Curiosities. Subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts or learn more about the show by visiting curiositiespodcast.com. This show was created by me, Aaron Mankey, in partnership with How Stuff Works. I make another award-winning show called Lore, which is a podcast, book series, and television show. And you can learn all about it over at theworldoflore.com. And until next time, stay curious. Thank you.